1: Talk radio.
2: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where we present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown, Terry Crowell-Norris, Travis Carr, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Uh, we have a few announcements tonight. Uh, first one uh, today is May 1st. And around the rest of the world, this is designated as International Labor Day, a day originally intended to be a tribute to those at the Haymarket Massacre in Chicago, Illinois, in the 1800s. We never, as a, a country in the United States, recognized that day. Uh, the second one is please remember to decline to sign any petition you are presented with regarding Michigan prevailing wage. That's for the only for the Michigan uh, residents that listen to the show uh, the building trades uh, have an issue going on and if you decline to sign it helps to pre- uh, uh, keep the prevailing wage to preserve it uh, so we'd like uh, they would like everybody to uh, decline to sign any petition regarding prevailing wage uh, third uh, announcement our brothers at verizon are still on strike brothers and sisters and uh, please support them by clogging up Verizon's uh, support operations by calling their national customer service line and just asking a whole lot of questions. That number is 800-837-4966. I'm sure you have a lot of questions for Verizon while the strikers are on strike, and that does help them uh, because it deters uh, Verizon's efforts. Uh, so on to emails and comments, uh, we have a couple emails here, uh, first one came from Edna, uh, oh my, I had no idea people on the assembly line don't have time to tie their shoe between operations, again that's from Edna, and Edna, that's, that's a sad commentary, uh, we're sad to hear that and, and have that going on in the plants ourselves, so the second email, uh, things have gone along way downhill since I was in the plant this needs to be stopped that's from Stan Uh, thank you Stan for your email this week Uh, in the news um, I'm going to hand this off let's see let's get the rest of the co-hosts online Uh, I believe this here is uh, Jeff Brown Uh, we'll get Jeff on Jeff are you there? Haley Roy how are you? Hey, thank you, uh Jeff. Uh we're we're doing pretty well uh here this evening and uh let me get Travis on. Uh Hi Travis, how you hey, doing? Pretty good. good, how
3: you
2: doing Larry? Uh, I'm doing real good. Thanks for being on the show tonight. Uh we had Travis on last week for his first time and I think uh, everybody was real pleased uh at that. Uh, we didn't get any email but we got a lot of feedback uh from uh everybody on Travis's uh uh uh, part of the show last week So I um, don't see Terry Crowe just yet uh, Perhaps uh, Dave Billion Might want to come on and take uh, Terry's spot in the News and then we'll go on to the Feature for now though Jeff uh, Throw that over to you for the in the news Section I know you have something And, uh, and then we'll see if uh, We get uh, David or Terry on for the second portion of that. Go ahead Jeff
0: Okay Um. This is too for all the uh, Teamsters out there, all the retirees concerning their pension cuts. Uh, KansasCity.com is reporting that uh, they're hearing hints and feedback from somebody in the Treasury Department that it looks like the Teamsters petition to cut the P- Teamsters. Retirees' pensions is going to be denied, and that's good news for the uh, retirees. Um, they won't be taking the 60% pay uh, pension cut a month. Um, I know that shouldn't mess with people's pensions. So that's to me, that is just plain wrong. Um, these people work for all that money all of those years, and it should not be touched. I don't think that Jimmy Hoffa Sr. would uh, allow this to happen, but they're expecting to make the announcement on May 7th, which is sometime this week, as to whether it's going to be approved or denied. Uh, This decision affects about 400,000 people. Throughout the Central States area. Um, so we're hoping that uh, the Treasury Department supports the retirees and denying the application. Because um, they say that um, Central States pension fund is expected to go broke within about a decade, unless the benefit cuts are made immediately or less unless it could gain about $11 million in new funding. So, either way, you know, those are in a big world of hurt, and that's probably due to uh, money mismanagement on the part of the Houston President James Hoffa uh, and his his buddies is at the top. But right now, it looks pretty good. for are holding a breath. At um, May 7th, the announcement uh, um, that it will be denied. That's what we're hoping for. So, in fact, my aunt and uncle were just here and wanting to know if I had any new information on this issue. And I let them read this whole article from canadacity.com. So um, there's been a retiree, uh, Mike Walden. He's a retired team, sir. He's been lobbying uh, Congress and the Treasury Department very hard. He's one taking the lead on this for the retirees. Um, so we'll just sit and wait till May seventh comes around. And okay. Well. Oh, okay, I Jeff. Am
2: a- okay, Jeff, we'll get any other discussion. I see David Fillion's here on. Uh, welcome, David.
1: How are you doing tonight, Leroy?
2: Pretty good, David. Uh, do you or Travis have any, we'll start with you, David. Do you have any uh, other comments on the Teamster uh, matter regarding their uh, pension in the central states being cut by as much as
3: 50%? And uh, No, other than I have. No other than I hope that uh, that decision gets rescinded and they're able to keep their pensions. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Yeah,
2: Travis, you have anything on that one?
1: Yeah, same here. It uh, seems like an important battle to fight, but uh, and hopefully they they can get that one fixed because uh, uh, obviously that's one of the one of the parts of our compensation that uh, they already got our labor. They need to. Pay us our retirement. You know, obviously working, working at Jeep, I'd like to see my pension come back as well, you know.
2: Right, right. Well, I'm, I'm in your corner there, brother. I'd like to see your – I know you're a Tier 2 there, and I'd like to see a defined pension plan come back for all employees. I think you have to start a new one. You couldn't come into the old one. But still, uh, it's still possible for them to do that. Uh, as well as give you health care in retirement, it's, you know. So, and that might even have to be another structure, but at least you'd have it. You did not have to work till you're 65 in order to get, you know, Medicare. So, uh, that's off topic a little bit. But let me let me say, uh, you know, even even the companies are mad at this. UPS put some uh, stuff out about this. A lot of these folks. And the teamsters actually work for UPS. Uh, they're going to, uh, if this goes through, they have to pay 3.8 billion dollars. Uh, and uh, you know, if, you know, if they have to pay it, then they have to pay it. But they said, you know, when we when we bought out of this pension plan, the uh, uh, laws were such that they couldn't come after retirees any longer, and they would. no matter how the pension trust got handled, they would be covered under the Pension Guarantee Trust Board, or uh, PBGC, uh, and that's the federal government, uh, if there was a problem. And now Congress has changed the law any number of times with the Pension Protection Act and then the Act of 2014 uh, and, and changed this, and that's sad. Uh, that they've come in here after the fact when pensioners are you know, already drawing their money and Congress really causing this problem. Uh, so uh, as we consider who uh, we send to Congress, we ought to see if they're d- disposed to be changing these pension laws yet again after the fact. And that's just simply wrong that that takes place by Congress. And, you know, the people are mad, but the companies are mad as well because they figured that this was enough to sustain everybody. And the people, you know, our members, the, the Teamsters thought it was enough to sustain everybody. And now with the new laws changing and, and the accrual systems uh, uh, structures uh, recalculating, this has become a serious problem. And we wish, I believe all of us wish, our brothers and the Teamsters and brothers and sisters in the Teamsters the very best success in this, and if the, if the companies have to pay more money, so be it. so be it. Let them pay. They looking around, these country, these companies are, are swimming in money. You know we talked last week where GM's one-year profit went from four and a half billion to 9.7 billion, I believe it was. Uh, and they're paying the, the CEO another 70 percent on his original. Uh, money from last year she made that much more so they're swimming in money they can do that so good luck to the teamsters in their uh, real hard efforts and that brother up there from wisconsin that's leading the way thank you brother for doing that we appreciate it so uh, uh for now uh, david do you want to uh take on that next item in the news please
3: yeah i have one more thing on the uh um pensions um oh, I put sure. up the language I put up the language for uh um the CR Omnibus uh legislation that was passed if anybody wants to read that it's there on the page now
2: on the working for a living page.
3: That's correct.
2: Okay. So anybody that wants to read that may have to join the page but certainly uh uh you know we welcome you to come on and join the page if you want. Uh so uh, David has that posted, so we appreciate that, David. Anything else anybody's got on that issue? Okay, then go ahead, David, on the next issue.
3: All right, yeah, we got the, the Verizon strikers still out on strike. Um, their contract ended April 9th. Um, the workers there are strongly reacting to the ultimatum delivered by management this Thursday. Company officials declared that the concessionary proposals they ended the union was management's last and best and final offer. As the strike by 39,000 workers continues into its third week, workers also face an April 30th cutoff of their health care benefits which would have been yesterday. Um, I certainly hope that that doesn't happen, but it appears like it's going to. Um, I know they face a serious issue with uh, scab workers. Um, however, they are mounting a fight back, and they are seeing some support from uh, uh, the community. Um, the hotels that uh, put up the scabs have uh, discharged them and uh, kicked them out. Also, um, transportation... Um, to the place was, uh, to the plant, Um, it's been cut off as well, Um, so um, I really appreciate the uh, support from the community for these workers, and uh, hopefully the strike will end soon. Um, They want to do just about the same thing here at Verizon, um that they do at GM and that's to uh force out the older workers and replace them with uh lower paid workers with no uh, um pensions in health care when they retire. So you know we're seeing we're seeing this in every every sector. So The Verizon strike is a very important strike to win. Yes. Uh,
2: Jeff or Travis, do you have anything on on the uh, Verizon workers on strike?
0: I don't have anything on a strike on Union, but I did. Uh, I was at Sprint last weekend, and there was a young man – being waited on about a new phone, he was asking about Verizon. And I told him not to go to Verizon because they are on strike. And the young man, it looks like in his late 20s, uh, looked at me and He said, really? It turned out he was a member of the IBEW. He says, well, I ain't going to Verizon then. Even the, the Sprint worker uh, didn't hear nothing about it. Is, so that means probably more money for Sprint. People who are will probably transfer from Verizon to Sprint. Hopefully, that's what helps the and uh, workers at Verizon because Sprint's going to be losing a lot of money. Um, so I did my part. <laughs> Educated the Perfect. young man on the uh, the strike.
2: Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, that's good.
0: Travis,
1: you got anything on the Verizon Strikers?
2: No, then just yeah.
1: uh, pulling for them. I think it's just another, yeah. you know, example of a company that's, that's actually got a commanding market share of the industry, and here they are trying to basically monopolize more on the backs of labor, you know, just another example of uh, of greed. So I, I hope they get it together and and, and win, their, win their strike. Yeah, well, me too. So we got to remember that.
0: Verizon is also one of the companies that is considered to be a welfare corporation. You know, there are people complaining about citizens being on welfare and they shouldn't be on there, but nobody seems to care about the companies who get money from the the government and not paying their taxes and still getting a tax refund. Verizon is part of this group that... uh, is considered to be on this corporation welfare list so keep
2: that in mind,
0: please right i
3: they haven't had a pay raise there in five years um the average take home pay after taxes is thirty seven thousand Yeah. A little, little on the weak side. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, on, on, uh, Travis, do you have anything else to add? you good with that? Uh, that was okay. Funny. Yep. okay. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll just take it. And Jeff's, uh, point is well taken. You know, there's a lot of people mad about folks on welfare, single moms that are making minimum wage and, working for somebody like Walmart that gives them an application for welfare when they hire in the largest employer in the nation. You know, they, they give these four people an application for welfare and they're all worried about it. Maybe if these companies paid their people properly, they wouldn't be on welfare, first thing. Second thing is you ought to see the, the amount of money. They make the the individual's, People, citizens of the country, these corporations make them look like pikers when it comes to welfare. The, the billions that are given or relieved of in debt and, and taxes. And it's just amazing how that's gone on. So uh, the, uh, it's, it's just a, a horrible thing. And let me add this to, to the Verizon issue. As you heard, we're supporting everybody calling this support number. And the one thing that the workers in the union cannot do is encourage people not to pay their bills. And I suggest that folks, we're, you know, I mean, we're here on this show. We're not part of union leadership. We can ask for just about anything, and we're immune from secondary boycott information, et cetera. But I'm going to, because of the law. Uh, I'm going to go out there and say if you have a Verizon phone and I'm sure you're happy with your service I'm not saying anything bad about this company but just don't pay your bill for this month they won't cut you off they can't afford to lose your business if enough of you do it just don't pay your bill for this month you watch and see how fast that strike gets fixed go ahead
3: David There's also another thing, too. Um, If all of a sudden um, you're, you know, under a two-year contract or whatever, and uh, you're having trouble having signal, um, they have to provide you a service. And uh, most companies, um, what they do when uh, you're not able to receive a signal in the area where you live, um, they have to send out staff to... uh, check that and make sure that you have signal Um, and if they can't provide it to you then uh, you're out from underneath your contract I did this before
2: okay so there's, there's some things we can do beyond just calling that service number to help these Verizon strikers so I encourage us all to do everything we can to do that. Um, having said that, has anybody else got anything else on the Verizon Strikers? I think I have another caller in the queue here. Uh, we'll see who that is in a second. But uh, if without anything else on the Verizon Strikers, Travis, you want to give us an update about FCA and what happened this week in the news there? And then I'll check on our, our guests. Okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> Go ahead.
1: So in the, in the free press this week, they uh, kind of went over FCA's plans to move the Ram to Sterling Heights and uh, move some Jeep product to Mexico. And, uh, you know, basically Sergio has been throwing this around for a while. The disturbing part about it is during our 2015 negotiations, our president, Dennis Williams, actually made a statement about Sergio's plan. And basically his statement was that uh, the UAW has got to get in alignment with uh, making it more readily available and easy to move these products in and out of our plants. And uh, to me, that was, that he said that because of all the jobs that are attached to these products. And basically, you can see as it goes down, you know, one of the things that it's doing is it's it's making each of the individual shops compete for product. Um, so he, he's basically playing the shell game. He's moving all the small cars to Mexico, now a couple small SUVs to Mexico. He's building plants overseas and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we have this win because, okay, well, the Ram truck is, is going to Sterling Heights, but, but right now Sterling Heights is already... Feeling the loss because they're laid off. So each of these product moves also comes with hardship for the employees there. And although you know who knows what the actual employment numbers will be done at the end of shuffle, each one of these plants that's affected goes through hardship before they ever get it turned back around. So right now, shaft is down, and they're they're waiting for a new product in, in order to come back and eat. And when they do, then Warren's going to be down, and they're going to be waiting years for the grand wagoneer which is you know just on the on the drawing board at the moment. You know, just like uh, and I guess. He kind of learned his lesson and you know, I'm in the Toledo plant, and they were building the Liberty and Nitro and decided to shut down production and uh, start retooling without any plans to leave something on the market. So for a year they had no market share in the midsize SUVs. So basically they don't want to make the same mistake twice. So, like, we're losing the Cherokee. um, We're probably looking at being out of work for six or seven months, and although they're saying they're retaining all the jobs, Honestly, a couple thousand of our jobs are going to go to Belvedere. So, yeah, UAW is not losing any dues, but there's a lot of individual hardships that go along with these moves. So um, I know there's been a couple things where they said, oh, is this a great week for the UAW? Is it a horrible week because they're losing all these small cars, but they're gaining all this product allocation on larger SUVs. Um, to me, it's a lose-lose. Because although we are retaining job levels, at best we're, we're staying even. But, like I said, we're moving from town to town. So now – the the town of Toledo is going to lose a couple thousand jobs, but the town of Belvedere is going to gain a few. So, so it's, it's really, I don't, I don't see how any loss of jobs in any factory can be looked at as a win or losing any production to, to foreign entities could be looked at as a win. So, so to me, it's, it's a loss loss. You know, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of the reason they're doing this is because they don't want to invest in brick and mortar in the United States. So in order to, to forego the cost of anything like that or to, you know, for all these uh, plants that, that have a failing product, they could just as easily uh, ramp up the production, bank them some overtime, so on and so forth, but they're basically just putting one plant down to set up another, and, and most of the product the plants that are down for um it's all in the future. So, like, when we go down uh, to lose the Cherokee, we have a, an extensive retool before we get a new product. Until then, only a third of the plant will be working. Um, and then part of the product allocation that we're getting is, is still pushed off a year beyond that. So so we're probably right off the cuff when we do return to work. We're going to lose all overtime, and we're going to lose about 40% of employment. And we might gain another 10% back, you know, a, a year or two down the road when they introduce the pickup truck. So, like I said, all these, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're great and beneficial to the company, but they're they're horrible for the workers on the line. And then, you know, some some of the people are going to be subjected to, hey, if you want to keep your job, you better pick up your family and move a few different states, I think. Uh, but like I said, it's it's been pretty simple and easy for Sergio to accomplish because because our leadership is looking in line with this, going, yeah, this is a great idea, not looking at alternative things that they could they could present to force them to retain their, the employment levels in similar numbers in each of the areas, you know, and, and do things that are – you know, not only beneficial to the company, but also are looking out for the better interest of the workers. You know, like right now, like I said, in Toledo, we've been working 60 hours um, scheduled, and and every Sunday, and all this other stuff. And and the last two years, we've built the production number, or you know, broken the production record for our plant in Toledo by 100,000 units, two times in in a, in a row. So these guys have been working harder than that plant's ever worked, and the reward is going to be half of you guys are going to be out of a job and the rest of you are going to be sitting on your butt for, for who knows how long, you know? And, and like I said, it just, it, it's, again, it's testament to the fact that the whole strategy of thinking the UAW is going to be partners with the company is just, it's a, it's a minefield, you know, because each one of the decisions, when you start considering the company's best interest, you know, don't be wrong, we want the cars to sell. We want to be maintained employed, but as far as the actual structuring of the day-to-day operations, we should be, looking at nothing but the interest of the membership and nothing in the interest of the company. When it comes to building a quality product, that's when we're supposed to have interest in the company.
2: Okay. All right. Thank, thank you, Travis, for reporting on that article in the free press here. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, that's kind of leading into our featured story, uh, and uh, that's going to deal with, uh, it's a follow-up uh, about Travis' article, and uh, we're going to talk about moves to Mexico, and we'll talk a little more about what Travis talked, uh, brought out in his uh, report. But this is in the broader sense about Ford and Chrysler already announcing uh, and, and, um, a product to go to Mexico, and uh, GM has said they're going to import a Buick from China, which effectively sent that Buick over there to China. Uh, So uh, before we get started, let me just read this quote that's a favorite quote of mine, and that's from Aristotle, a problem defined is a problem half solved. And here on this show, we like to define these problems and try and at least get them half solved by and through our talking about them and point out the deficiencies of the IUAW. And the companies of dealing with these problems as they come up, and we point them out here on the show. So, having said that, on the greater issue of work going to Mexico, and anything more on what Travis just reported that happened this week regarding uh, his own plant, uh, please be free. Feel free to to uh, jump in there. We do have somebody in the in the queue here in the switchboard. Uh, and if that person uh, wants to come on, just push one, and it's a friend of ours, by the way, so uh, just come on and push one, and I'll get you uh, on, the, on the, the show here. But for now, we have the, uh, the uh, co hosts and myself here this evening, and we'll open this up for discussion. Travis, uh, you've just finished that up. I want to ask you this question regarding your report I know that your plant also was the plant that led the way and chastised the vice president of the, the FCA department when he came to speak, uh, very uh, strongly chastised him when he came to speak in Toledo regarding the agreement, that the tentative agreement that they tried uh, to get passed in the first round. Your plant led the way of uh, turning that down the first round with like an 87 uh, no vote, I believe. So it's a lot. Uh, yep, yep. Do you think? Do you think maybe some of this is motivated by your actually standing up for solidarity and what's right in your plant regarding don't don't be given uh, these horrible contracts to us, uh, and you stood up for what's right. Do you think that could be? I, I don't want to put you on the spot, and you don't have to answer oh, no, if you I, want, because I know your uh, position there. Uh, is
1: that- hey, actually i, I have a, a segment saved that was an interview with norwood jewel and dennis williams and uh it was during the their original tentative agreement and they pretty much thumbed their nose at toledo um because basically the city of toledo rallied together because um, originally they said they were going to pull the wrangler not the cherokee and the city of toledo spent millions of dollars uh purchased some land uh began to abate it you know did all these things to kind of make a property available for them to expand the wrangler because they had threatened to remove our product. Um, when the tentative agreement came out, um, to everybody's shock, there was no intention of moving the Wrangler. It was all about moving the Cherokee. So here it was. You know, we would rallied and sold bonds and, and got the city to purchase this land and, and cleared it off and what have you, and it was never the plan. And, and basically Norwood and Dennis both kind of gave a little chuckle to it, you know, and, and that in and of itself kind of tells you there's there's something punitive there, you know. Um, basically at the end of the day you know, we were definitely vocal about not wanting to go along with this whole new new UAW that doesn't seem to have the best interest of the workers at heart and seems to be looking at, at the company's goals and needs a little bit more strongly than the workers and, and yeah, I'm I'm absolutely sure that, that they weren't happy that Toledo didn't play ball and, and I wouldn't be surprised if if pulling the Cherokee didn't have a little bit to do you know, that decision had a little bit to do with with our reaction to the national contract, you know, but unfortunately that's again, when we sit there and give, give the companies carte blanche to shuffle these products around, like I said, once again, you also make incentives for, for individual plants to compromise in order to not be threatened by this, you know? So basically it's a way another level of how to pit the workers against each other, you know, and at least from my point of view,
2: Okay, and I, I would say that being punitive to the membership is is a uh, deficiency of the IUAW leadership. And uh, backing out on an agreement that they make with a local community like Toledo, where they've asked them to spend money, sell bonds, all manner of things, backing out on that agreement and getting that work in there is also a deficiency of the IUAW. So. Having said that, uh, if you don't mind, Travis, I'm going to try and see if Jeff has some more to add. Uh, Ford just did some of the uh, in, uh, same things here a couple of weeks ago where they sent, what, $1.6 million worth of assembly operations yeah. down to Mexico. Uh, Jeff, you want to comment on some of that and anything else that's been discussed here in this uh, story that we're covering, feature
0: story tonight? Yeah, what they're doing is, is they're building another plant down there, I believe. Um, their plan is like Travis's. They want to build all the small cars in Mexico. Um, we just, my plant lost the uh, overflow build for the fusion. We went back to Mexico. Um, so now we're making the Mustang and gearing up for the Lincoln... Uh, Continental, and my my whole thing is with the big three is when they had the money in the nineteen nineties and nineteen late nineteen eighties when they were making money every quarter, uh, they they did it to themselves. You know, we hear a lot of people out of Southern Centers in 2009, um two thousand nine bailout that, you know, the workers got to make big cuts. Well, my, I, my belief is that the big three, uh, except for Chrysler, when they had all this extra cash, they went out and bought four car companies. Four bought uh, Land Rover, they bought Jaguar, you know, GM bought Swap a couple other companies, and they were making money. So, their bad spending habits in the 1990s is what caused their downfall 10 years ago. It's not the worker's fault. A lot of people don't understand this. Um, There's a lot of stories going on, people don't know the truth, and um, fortunately, if old-timers were old enough to remember what happened. Um soon as Ford sold uh, Land Rover and uh, Jaguar, they started making money again. So just mismanagement by the big two, I'll say, because Chrysler didn't do much. I did see something about Sergio wants. They were saying that they are still looking to uh, partner up with either Ford, GM, or Volkswagen, I think one other company recently, he said.
1: Um, yeah, Google is the most late, latest, greatest.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he's still trying to sell uh, them so, you know, joint partnership. And that, that's, we can take that as far back. I when he ran Chrysler, he was trying to uh, merge with GM and Ford. So it's not something that just happened. Chrysler's always had a problem. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's uh, I just can't believe what we're going through these days, the whole country. Um, you know, it just, to me, it's very disappointing. I have to remember to, you know, turn my head and fight issues as much as I can but uh, yeah people who want to need to research what I just said please do because that is a fact they did buy other foreign car companies in the 1990s that did not help them in any shape or form so
1: and but, and, and here to get is again you know just a few months after contract season when they have told us that they squeezed every drop of juice out of the lemon and uh Sure enough, here it is. They all of a sudden have money to to spend money on infrastructure mm-hmm. overseas. Yeah.
0: Infrastructure and big bonuses for the CEOs. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Team, you know yeah. and these new hires, second-tier, I voted, you know, um a national agreement, and I had a second-tier worker came up to me in my area and asked me how I voted. I said, I voted no. He asked me why. And my exact words were, I wanted you guys second tier to get a pension, health care, and pay raise from the top tier. And I wanted to see retirees get back everything we gave up. I'm going to keep doing that until either I die or somebody is- Solidarity House gets their head out of their life and starts doing the right
1: thing for the membership. Well, I appreciate that, brother, because you're speaking on my future, too. And I, yes. I really appreciate that you're you're sticking it out, because I, I think that's part of the issue, too, is, is a lot of people are, have a hard time empathizing with other people's problems. You know, and actually that's one thing when I got elected steward, I said, oh, my goodness, you're 3,500 people on my plant. That's future is tied to mine, and, man, I don't want to see myself Settle for less, but I certainly don't want to see all these other hardworking people settle for less either. You know, so that's commendable. Right.
2: That, right. uh, right. that then,
1: like, I, I
2: think you and all of the tier twos can uh, rest assured, notwithstanding that I know there's some um, ill, you know, some ill will on the plant floor when you're working next to somebody that's making twice as much as you. I know that's going on, but believe me, there's there's a whole lot of folk out here. Uh, that work or have worked in the plants, retired now, that think everything that's gone on since 2007 regarding Tier 2 and taking them out of the pension plan and out of the health care plan is just absolutely wrong. And it should not have occurred, and we would like to see it reversed as soon as possible. In other words, start a defined pension plan for all those folks who have been hired after the 2007 agreement and get them health care in, the, in their retirement. These companies are swimming in money, swimming in money. They can afford to do this, and they've hidden money, and we'll talk about that on another show. I was uh, telling uh, one one of my friends, uh, and he, he knows I'm talking about <laughs> uh, about how some of the ways that they can uh actually hide this money and uh, siphon it off. And they're doing it. Believe me, they're doing it. So the profits that you're seeing are only things that they couldn't have hid otherwise in some other entity. So, And we'll get into that more in another show. But uh, they're swimming in money, and they can afford to pay for a couple, bil- a couple billion dollars a year. They can afford to pay health care and pension and new hire uh, wages, I mean tier tier one wages for all of the new hires that have hired in since 2007, and have everybody that hires in as a temporary have a pathway if they get 90 out of 180 days in any given time. That way they can uh, ascend up through the, the ranks as it used to be. It uh, used to be 90 days, you get your 90 days, and now they give you 180 days in which to get 90, you know, or used to be uh, until this last agreement. Now they've changed that. There's no more pathways, So they can make it right for you tier two people. Believe me, they have the money and the wherewithal to do it, and if we didn't have people in our IUAW that just simply didn't care about you, then it would already have happened. And you know what? This idea of a targeted targeted strike in one of the Detroit three is absolute boulder dash. If you're gonna go out and do something, you're gonna take everybody out at the same time. Everybody. Yep. Just go out. Absolutely. Okay? You mean that's that's just something that's how it's gonna to have to happen and that if people talk about revolution, we don't have to have everybody in the country with guns going after everybody. All we gotta do is do it smart. And smart is not sitting on our thumbs. I'm sick of it, of this, and the people that are being disabused in these plants. Now, getting back to subject, I'm sorry I'm so far off there, but Tier 2 came up. And Travis, I, but you guys, all of you brothers and sisters in the Tier 2, believe me, there's a lot of folks out here that don't like what's happened to you, none of us, because it, it affects our communities, and you're seeing that in Toledo now. And the oh, fewer jobs we have, the, the less money these these communities have to run their own uh, uh, business as a government. So uh, having mm-hmm. said that, uh, but let me get David in. David, you got something on this issue here? We got another, oh, we got almost 20 minutes, so we got some time.
3: Well, yeah, um, it, uh, it's a question I'd like to ask Travis. Um I wondered if he uh, saw this week in the news um, about uh, FCA and Google um, forming a partnership for driverless cars was my understanding that. Um, How do you feel about that?
1: I think honestly with FCA, if they're going to try to partner up with anybody, I would like to see it be technology Um, because it seems like the the future of cars is going to be all the connectivity and bells and whistles and what have you far as the driverless car um you know wouldn't be my cup of tea but again you know if if it helps our sales i don't think it should be an entire issue and and i think the beauty of it is a is right now i think really with sergio most of his compensation has been in profit sharing he's and he's really just trying to up the value of the company he's looking to cash out in 2018 so he's looking for someone attractive with a bunch of money and and that's kind of what he's doing with all the shuffling it's basically to minimize the cost of production and, and increase the production so so this one would be the icing on the cake for him, but I really don't think it would be bad for FCA in general. Um, like, Basically our fleet uh, mileage doesn't do all that well. Hopefully some of the tech would help with that. And then if you partnered with a larger automaker, there's a good chance they would just look at, you know, gutting us and using the bones. So I don't think you have that threat there. So if he's going to find a partner, I think Google would be um, the lesser of the evils and they definitely certainly have the cash flow. but as far as if if it's feasible or if it's going to happen, it's hard telling because uh, Sergio has a fantasy about partnering with somebody. And it seems like everything that he spells out, the person he's talking about has the opposite feeling because for a while, he's talking about how Chevy is going to, is going to merge with them. And, and in his mind, it was a real scenario. and, And in Chevy's mind, it was not there. So we'll see if this Google one pans out, but as far as, uh, a current future for the workers. I think it's probably the the closest to the mark.
3: Yeah, they um, Google. Um, they don't want to be in the uh, business of manufacturing cars, just the tech end. So yeah,
1: and and that's what he's trying to subsidize is the cost of it. And honestly, that's where you know, like we have that eight-speed transmission. It took a little while to get the technology uh, corrected to where so and again the the higher speed transmissions that are computer controlled uh actually do give us significant improvements in fuel economy, but they also up the complication and factor to it so I think having someone in the in the tech world would probably solve some of our of our ills
2: right right well one of, one of the things i mean i I've been in some uh community meetings. Uh, outside the auto industry on some other issues and there's a lot of people talking about what's called a uh, connected uh, vehicle uh, connectivity and uh, that's where it's you know pretty similar to what google's talking about where you can uh, not have accidents because it senses how close you are to another car have wires in the road so that you're your destination is pre-programmed into the road, and you just follow that wire. Uh, and it would be a driverless car. Effectively, you just have to sit there and watch the car go. Uh, these are things that not just Sergio and Google are talking about. There's a whole lot of folks talking about it. But I'm guessing from where I'm sitting that you're going to see a 3D-printed and manufactured vehicle before you see connectivity because connectivity cause, is... Uh, uh, so its uh, precursor is that you have to have uh, the infrastructure and the roads all programmed and wired up properly. So the, uh, yeah. that has to be done, and that's a lot of money, brothers and sisters, and we're not going to see that anytime soon because they, they they're begging for money for infrastructure. I was at a meeting two and a half weeks ago where they were begging for money, from the philanthropists. They were asking for them to cover the cost of infrastructure because there's no money because all the jobs have left our country and there's no tax base here anymore. And I mm-hmm. touched on that and they didn't they didn't like my comment. We'll put that video up sometime soon because uh, it's a little early for everybody to, to see that one. But I give them hell down there, believe me. And they just cringed when they listened to Brother from the building trades, trades on the panel and they cringed when I was there in the, in the audience talking about why our jobs have left and why they should be back and what are they going to do about it. And these are people that wear wearing $5,000 suits, you know. So uh, they, they got a long way to try and get connectivity, no matter what Sergio or the Google guy. He's from East Lansing here in Michigan that owns Google, him and his partner. Uh, that own it, but they got a, they're a long way from having connectivity. They're they're a lot closer to seeing 3D printed cars than they are that. Believe me, because they all they have to do they're about two steps away from having these little mini manufacturing places, 15 1500 square feet. They're talking that they can build a car in right now with a 3D printer, and they can do it in one man hour, one staff hour to do it. So pretty sad what's going on. So a little bit off topic, but, uh, you know, these are things that are in our future, and we really have to be aware of our future before uh, we can go out there and affect it from labor's aspect. You know, I want to just touch on labor. You know, there's capital, the company, there's labor, and then there's a result in enterprise. And enterprise is supposed to be beneficial for all of us here. And it's not, you know, enterprise going on down in Mexico and transferring it all to Mexico isn't helping labor at all here in the United States. And we ought to be standing up tall, real tall, against that occurring, not not being smug about it like Norwood Jewel and Dennis Williams being punitive to Toledo down there. That's That's just simply wrong, sending their work to Mexico. Not cool, you know. Not cool at all. David, do you have more that you want to go with?
3: Do we know, Sorry, if, so, uh, to... do we know if the Belvedere plant in Illinois has, has heard anything about uh, the work they're going to receive? Or are they still in limbo? They're,
1: they're still leaving it pretty great for everybody. I can tell you, I want to get into details, but I can tell you it's definitely on the move because uh, – there's enough activity between the two plants that, that it's obvious where the move is going. But, yeah, they're still keeping them up in the air and Toledo up in the air for that matter. Um, and from what my things, because I'm relatively new to this, but from what I've seen, is uh, basically the, the company doesn't like to let you know when they're going to pull the rug out from underneath you to begin with. So that's part of the deal with it, you know, is I, I think they want to keep everybody up in the air so they don't know when they're going to get laid off. They don't know when they're going to, you know, basically get stuck in launch mode or anything else. Yeah, that's so, a bad
2: feeling. Jeff, you got more to handle? You got more to offer here? To add to it. Um, not on the Google thing, no. Okay. Okay. You got anything more on on the the outsourcing of work by Ford, Chrysler, and uh, anybody else to Mexico, and and the idea that GM's effectively outsourced that Buick to China? three companies doing it. Anything else to um, add,
3: Jeff?
0: Um, I remember correctly. We, you know, we talked about Verizon being a welfare company. Um, GM is also on that list, I believe. last time I looked, they took some money from the bailout. And I understand if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. Um, they haven't paid a dime back from those bailouts. in. It's just corporate greed. It's just a matter of time before these companies price themselves right out of the market because nobody's going to be able to afford to buy or lease a new car. Then what are they going to do? Because we already know that people in Mexico can't buy a car. Um, People in China, most of them, don't buy a car. So who's going to buy new vehicles? 20 years so they better start thinking about it they're they're pricing themselves right out of business
2: they're about to see something real soon you watch and see this market's up there bumping around 18,000 and it started out in this run from 6,600 okay that's (laughs) that's a lot of movement that's you know almost straight up and there's there's some patterns at the top of this that's looking pretty toppy folks so mm-hmm. you all ought to be aware that something's about to happen we don't know when but it's awful it's toppy to. and the pat the topping so patterns are in there's uh-huh. certain things that are there so these people that think that they cut great big fat hog you know in the butt. Uh, they they gonna find out real soon here that things are about to change. So be careful everybody with your money right now. So just a little on the side here. And Jeff uh, on the issue of General Motors, they gave the uh, the comp the country stock. Uh, and I think I I don't recall the exact amount or the exact number. I think they got 50 billion or something like that from the company, mm-hmm. from from the country, and. The the stock the 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 country has sold all of the stock that they owned uh, that that occurred uh, I think at the end of 14 they finally sold all their stock and so they they have no more stock they sold it less than what they gave out but that was the deal uh, so the General Motors uh, really didn't pay them anything and just gave them some stock that they sold for less than what they actually gave the company. So the country is uh, uh, un, you know short, I'm going to say about $12, 12 billion or something like that, uh, after they sold their stock. But they hold no more stock. The, company, the country is out of the business of shareholder for General Motors. The United States government is no longer a shareholder. Uh, in a direct way, like they were with that
1: relationship,
2: so maybe some indirect but, ways, but just just to clear that up that,
1: a bit. that that stock giveaway is a losing proposal anyway, they did the same thing at FCA and uh with our Viba shares and so basically we they owed us six billion dollars and we we uh re- took shares in exchange and and they Sergio paid us back four billion dollars. so when the company okay. was in the toilet, apparently these shares were worth six billion once the company's had a couple of years of record production, apparently they're only worth $4 billion, you know? And so that's, you know, right out of retirement health care, the thing that they, they can't afford to give me, mm-hmm. you know? So there's $2 billion right out the door. Right. right. You know, that, that were, okay. you know, was earned. You know, it's not like this was money that grown, grown on trees it was, it was earned over lifetimes, you know, people in that factory. And yet, you know, Sergio snatched away and our leadership signed their name on the dotted line and that was the end of it, because uh, basically what he did was uh, he was offering an IPO, and, and they thought that that would be an issue if they were still holding that large a share of the stock, that it would devalue the stock. So they kind of, you kind of use that as leverage to kind of get it out from under us, you know, because all these different right. things that we've done to help save the company, and when the company's turned back around, the first thing they did was monopolize on it and use their greed to, to maximize what they took from us you know so if right. it wasn't good enough that we had to give them money to bail bail them out they had to make sure they made a little profit off that deal as well
3: right Which little, tells little you what history they think tra- of
1: the people that make their profits
2: right i'll give you a little history Travis in 2005 December 10th uh, uh, i guess we actually filed on the 12th i was the inter filed uh against the but we tried to stop it i filed as intervening plaintiff with a Team of lawyers from Detroit And another team from Just outside of Philadelphia uh, uh, They had uh, Supreme Court uh, Experience uh, So we thought we had uh, This wrapped up and we were going to prevail And and uh, prevent this From happening. Well in the end uh, they, they gaveled down And they chastised me The, the judge did quite uh, uh, Severely uh, And then um, uh, after it was all said and done, they went through to bankruptcy a little bit, and it bounced out of that. All right, uh, they, even though they said it was legal, to put our stock uh, into the Viva, okay, as holders, they had to get a waiver from ERISA in order to do that because of the Enron rule. In other words, the the, the uh, employees members. Can only own so much stock, and to put to back the Viva with our stock from the respective companies uh, was simply wrong. And by the way, uh, we had joinder at the Circuit Court of Appeals, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. So uh, I was the only one at that uh, hearing that uh, Ford, GM, and Chrysler got joined in the in the lawsuit. So I was actually. Uh, the intervening plaintiff for all three entities at that time. Uh, And then we, we were shot down at the, that level as well. And then it went up uh, beyond there, but again, we didn't have any uh, success there either. So having said that, uh, um, the consideration to go further was, it was considered, uh, but having said that uh, pretty knowledgeable not that they had to get two waivers they had they had broken the law twice thirty five year old ERISA law and the uh e e o c that it was uh uh against the law to give uh older employees less health care than younger uh employees or or members we'll just use the term member uh because uh even though we were retirees, uh, as a, we're still members, and it's against uh, EEOC. So they had to get two waivers of law. So it doesn't matter what the legislatures uh, go ahead and uh, prove and sign in the law through the president. These companies, because of their cozy relationship with government and the courts, the executive branch, legislative branch, and the courts, can just go do anything they want to do. So we're at a real disadvantage, and it's difficult to even find a lawyer to take a case because of that right now, and are stacked so far hard against us in the judicial system. So that's just an aside on the VEBA, Uh and how legal that really isn't, that they did that. Uh, yeah, they got a waiver, but uh, it's, it was illegal. So uh, we're getting close to the end of time. Uh, does anybody uh, have, uh, having said that, Travis, I hope I didn't open too many more Johari windows for you. <laughs> Uh, I'll, uh, uh, you know, we can discuss it in another show, uh, but we're getting close to the end of this one. Uh, anybody have anything else to add that that they'd like to add uh, before we uh, think about closing this up real quickly, Jeff or
0: David? Yeah, I want to. Uh, we have a lot of people retiring in in the big big three. Um, they're taking advantage of the. The new la- retiree language. Um, mm-hmm. I wish all the retirees the best of luck in their new chapter in life. Um, we're going to miss you all. Uh, some of you guys have been real strong supporters, you, you are union activists. Um, we just want to wish you the best. Hope you made the right decision. Um, and just, you know. I I've I I've had a lot of good friends retire this year, and Friday was the last day. Um, we still have more coming up, in future months, people leaving on uh, my plan. So I just want wish the new retirees the best of luck, and we'll um, really be thinking about you. That's
2: all I got. Okay, well, th- thanks, Jeff. David, do you have anything real quick?
3: No? I'm going to.
2: Okay, Travis, anything else real quick?
1: Yeah, just while we're on the topic today, you know, as far as, uh, you know, I think just anybody out there listening really needs to think about this because, I mean, you can see as as the corporations looked at labor to bail them out of their financial issues, and then as soon as they turn around, the first thing they do is start shipping our jobs overseas. We really start to need to think about the mentality they had, you know, in in decades previous about companies that that chose to um, basically produce their products overseas. And we really need to start thinking about that as we spend our dollars and as we punch into clock every day, is think about what those corporations think of the everyday working man, and we need to start thinking of them as adversaries. You know, when we're spending our dollars, when we're punching into work, and and when we're discussing things with friends, we need to start going, okay, well, you know, it's going to be um, something we look at with shame when we see someone that bought, you know, the Chinese alternative to what they could have bought in America. Because, you know, at one point in in time, people did look for a union label. And and now all of a sudden, you know, look at what's going on with Verizon. But but we need people to go. Okay, well here's the deal, Verizon. I appreciate your service. You do a great job, but you don't get any more of my business until you treat your workers the way they're supposed to. You know, because if not, you're going to have this small percentage of people monopolizing over all of us indefinitely. Because until we've said we've had enough, they'll keep taking. Exactly. Agreed, Travis.
2: Thank you. Thank Agreed. You. I want to. Yeah. Uh, let's just close this. Do you think that the Detroit uh, 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 at Solidarity House in, in Detroit, that the IUAW leadership has failed us in their ability to control the loss of jobs to foreign countries, third world countries, albeit that have ac- actually have national health care. has the IUAW failed the member us the membership in its efforts? And, and, and uh, attempts to uh, curtail work being sent overseas or to Mexico. Do we have they, consensus. Yeah, at every yep. level.
1: Yes. Travis, I believe failed is an understatement. It seems like they're they're applauding the opportunity to move jobs overseas. To me, I have yet to see a firebrand speech out of Dennis Williams or anybody in, in the I-U-A-W, uh chastising these companies for what they're doing. And as a matter of fact, Dennis tries to rationalize it as it's, it's a part of business and the way we practice it today, and I'm sorry I don't excuse that as an answer. You know, just because it is doesn't mean that's the way it's supposed to be. And that seems like what our leaders seem to, to carry the baton with. Oh, well, it's cheaper in Mexico. I guess we'll just start shipping small cars there without a, so much as a fight. I don't remember anything from our president saying this is, this is an egregious act, this is a travesty or anything of that nature. He basically said this is the way of business in today's economy. Well, okay. that's your okay. fault. Okay, thank Ryan. you. So, so, sounds yeah.
2: like we sounds like we have consensus there that the IUAW has failed the, the uh, membership in this regard and is deficient in its leadership in this regard of, of jobs leaving to Mexico and other countries. So, with that, I'd like to thank our co-hosts this evening on air, uh, Jeff Brown from Flat Rock, David Philion from the Greater Lansing area Travis Carr from Toledo uh, Terry Crowell Norris was unable to be Here she's from the Brook Park area uh, Roberta Gainer from the uh, Conawanda area uh, uh, Kind of side, Sort of out there uh, And with us in spirit Tonight and myself Leroy McKnight certainly uh, We appreciate all the Listeners here um, Remember that our uh, email address is workingforaliving, at workingfor11, And please follow us on Blog Talk Radio if you get the chance and listen to the show. Remember, this is a podcast, so you can check it any time through the week or go back and listen to the historic uh, uh, shows if you want to. If you found value in this show, please tell just one more person. If you, if you just let somebody else know that they're. Stuff here going on, and you're being brought up to date and getting some education on different issues. From a lot of lot of history here, a lot of experience from these folks, and we're happy to have Travis here to add an aspect of the uh, younger tier two worker as well. So, having said that, here's a hearty shout out to all our friends in Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City. St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Norville, Georgia, Santa Cruz, California, and everyone else around the country and around the world who listen in. Thank you so very much. Everyone, good night, and stay safe. Good
0: night. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night. It's been a pleasure.
2: Good night.